Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well, because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is your health. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments so you can feel normal again and live your life to the fullest. Now today's topic is going to be all about inflammation. I'm so very excited about today's show because my special guests are Dr. Stephen Lewis and Janet Lewis. Let me tell you a little bit about them. Dr. Stephen Lewis and Janet have a long history of helping people achieve their maximum potential. Dr. Lewis stays current on the latest research pertaining to nutritional supplements and optimal health. Janet is a certified natural health consultant with a unique perspective on alternative and complementary nutrition from studying with numerous national leading alternative health experts. Paramount in their education was their trip to China while studying with traditional Chinese medicine doctors. Dr. Lewis and Janet know the importance of proper nutrition in the healing process and maintenance of the human body. They incorporate the latest medical research into the decisions made while helping people with their nutritional decisions. After seeing a growing public need, they teamed up with Doctors Nutrition to offer extremely low-cost blood work to determine the most appropriate nutritional products that are only available through a doctor's office. Dr. Stephen Lewis and Janet, thank you so much for being my special guests today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. Thank you for having us. It's good to be here. So first off, can you tell us a little bit about your trip to China and how that was so impactful? Well, Janet was, uh, she was doing functional medicine actually before I was. I was a very, very busy chiropractor and uh, not that we didn't, you know, promote supplements and things like that, but Janet was doing uh, iridology and muscle testing and she actually was so high up in the company that she earned the trip and, you know, they thought, well, since her and a few, a few hundred people uh, were so successful, they'd reward them by sending them to China. And we, I mean, we got to study with a lot of different people. Like uh, We went to uh, Beijing Teaching Hospital for traditional Chinese medicine. We went to the world's oldest uh, pharmacy, and, and that's an herbal pharmacy. Boy, the things they use for health there would just blow Americans and Canadians away, like little coiled-up snakes that were freeze-dried and little lizards and all sorts of worms, and you know, it was, it was very interesting. And you know, we took several different courses by different uh, traditional Chinese medical doctors, and, and learned a lot too because their traditional Chinese medicine's pretty good since they've been practicing for at least five thousand years. They've learned a lot of things that gave us a different perspective. Yeah, when I went back to school to get my naturopathic degree, part of the program I had to learn was about uh, traditional Chinese medicine in acupuncture and I was just it's just so different than what the western perspective and it just helps you know open up your mind a little bit more when it comes to possibilities and um, tools in your toolbox as well right 
So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about inflammation because I know a lot of our listeners have heard the term inflammation. Um, They've heard that it's bad, that it's associated with a lot of chronic illnesses, but um, I kind of still wonder when we get down to the core of it, I think people still are like, really, what is inflammation? Well, actually, it's not a bad thing. It's only bad if it's too much and too long. Uh, It's the body's natural reaction to injury, and we'll talk a lot about different types of injury or infections, and and it's uh, swelling and redness, and, you know, if it's bad, it can get uh, warm and painful, but the messenger system is something called cytokines or cytokines. I've heard it pronounced both different ways, and I'm sure we pronounce things different here in Texas, too. you know, that can trigger inflammation, and, and I've seen people on really, really good diets that had foods in the good diet that actually produced uh, chronic inflammation, but these the cytokines are messengers uh, that kind of stimulate the immune system, and sometimes they get overstimulated, because I know in my practice, and possibly in yours, I've noticed a great increase in autoimmune diseases. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I had... Oh, I had Dr. Tom O'Brien on my podcast back in January, and that's all we spoke about was the huge increase right now in autoimmune disease and how basically like the current medical model that just doesn't address, you know, just doesn't address it properly. So, okay, going back to cytokines, I say cytokines here, you say cytokines, tomato, right. tomato, right? So as you were right. saying, these are chemical messengers within the body that promote or trigger inflammation. Correct. And so where do these cytokines come from? Can you give us some examples of what causes the the cytokines to be released? Well, I like to boil things down to make it simple. And most of these things are really not simple, but I like to put it in a way that the average listener could really understand it. In my opinion, there's two major things that we need to deal with. Number one is toxins in the environment, which I can go on and on and on about that, the research that says that's true. Number two, our uh, terrible food supply, genetically modified organisms. We, you know, Jen and I have done several different podcasts uh, just on GMOs and how that's causing inflammation, um, not just in the test subjects, whether it's rats or pigs, but they've done human studies that say the GMOs, and, and sometimes the non-GMO foods uh, can create an inflammatory reaction. So you have to clean the body up of the toxins as well as feed it uh, food that's nutrient-rich, which is not that easy to come by sometimes. So can we talk a little bit more about GMO foods? Because that's actually a subject that I haven't done any podcasts on. So if we could touch on that a little bit more. I think people know GMO foods are probably bad for them, despite what the government is telling us. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, But then they're kind of like, well, oh my God, isn't everything GMO now? Like, what would I eat? Well, there, there's a lot more GMOs than most people realize, even in our fruits and vegetables. But for the most part, I would advise people to get away from grain. And I've had this uh, slightly heated discussion on another huge, huge podcast. Uh, people say genetically modified wheat does not exist. 
Well, it's at least been hybridized so that there's four times to 40 times more gluten in wheat versus what it was just a few decades ago. So whether it's GMO or not, it's still not a good thing. But genetically modified, it's it's mostly what we get in America, and I'm sure it's true of Canada too, is soy and corn. That, that's the main thing we should avoid. They will actually put uh, parts of genes from other organisms, like the BT toxin in corn, for example. Well, the corn borer worm, when it bites into a kernel of corn, it disrupts their GI tract so much that it sort of explodes on the inside. And that's why we have so much inflammation that's uh, related to corn consumption. And down here in Texas, it's a... A lot of Hispanic food, too. So the corn tortillas, uh, you know, we eat a lot of that. And I just can't do much of it. Yeah, but, when, you, when you start thinking about, like the listener out there, if you start really thinking about what you eat on a day-in and day-out basis, and you just think about corn, there's corn as it's corn, but then there's corn oil, corn syrup, corn starch, uh, and all the derivatives of those things, like we really do get a lot of it in our diet. So, um, Stephen, what are some of the other GMO foods that we should be watchful for besides corn and soy? Well, I think you said it all is is to find out where these are. Like, you know, even in a soy sauce can cause all kinds of bad reactions. Uh, you know, Jan and I try to get uh, non-GMO organic as much as we can. Um one of the best studies, well, now let me back up. It's, uh, you've heard of glyphosate or glyphosate. Uh, I've, yeah, raw, I've heard of glyphosate, but if you can explain what that is a little bit for listeners. Well, it's it's basically Roundup where they spray uh, the crops. And there's so many studies that said it's a potential cancer causer, an endocrine disruptor. You know, we live in a world of people that have sexual dysfunctions. Well, it's partly what you eat, and then the plastics and pesticides and things like that that uh, get there from other sources. Uh, It's been linked to psychiatric illnesses. You know, I wonder what would happen if we started feeding our school children uh, better food that's not GMO, not full of Roundup, or even our prisons. You know, some of these psychiatric illnesses could be cured if, we can't say cure, uh, the body yeah. could take care of it if the person had something uh, to work with properly. Like 50% of us have something called an MTHFR broken gene, and it stands for methyl tetrahydrofolate reductase. It was easier to say that than remember the uh, just the, the uh, letter to that sometimes. But that just means we can't utilize folic acid and if we can't utilize folic acid that interferes with all the other b vitamins and and that increases your risk of heart attack that increases uh, stress depression many many different types of cancer uh fatigue chronic fatigue fibromyalgia and so it just goes on and on and on and you know you were very smart to say it's not just corn it's the high fructose corn syrup and most of that has mercury in it just the way they process it mercury's not good for our little brain especially in you know children that aren't fully formed absolutely so okay so so far we've spoken about soy and corn and as you were saying with wheat you know you know technically it's not gmo but it's been hybridized so much that it's really 
it's it's just not even the same thing as what right. it was once before. I mean, even from a genetic standpoint, I think I think like back in the day when when they talk about the the wheat, you know, that they spoke about in the Bible, that that yes. wheat had something like 22 or 24 chromosomes and now the wheat that we know today has been hybridized to the point where it has more than 40 yes. um, chromosomes. So it's like not even the same thing. You know, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, we're most of us have gluten sensitivity, but to different degrees. Uh, some people just can't even walk in a kitchen where it's being used, and other of you know, some of us we can get by with some of it. But uh, you know, the GM foods, uh, genetically modified uh, inflammation levels, on the average, goes from about two to sometimes some research says six times higher. So inflammation's higher. And they did a study that I, I like this study because it was done on pigs. Um, they, uh, they, they developed tumors like crazy. They developed uh, infertility. The sows were two and a half times more likely to have stomach inflammation. So, you know, we talk about there's too many toxins, not enough nutrients. The other two things I would invite the listener to think about inflammation and GI or gastrointestinal function. Once you take care of one, you take care of the other. And of course there's there's other ways to take care of the GI tract, but the first thing is remove the GMOs as much as you can. So I know the labeling laws for GMO foods in Canada is different than the United States. So why don't you talk about the labels for the United States for our listeners there on how they can spot something that's non-GMO. You know, I think it's funny that the uh, organic farmers now have the burden and the cost to have their crops tested and labeled. It should be, I think, the other way around. Uh, So we're gradually changing the consciousness of the world, which I think is a good thing. And now there are grocery stores that have their organic sections that are getting a little bit larger. And, you know, our, our town's about 85,000 people, so it's not just huge. Uh, we just got a grocery store that's non-GMO, totally organic, and, and those are popping up more and more. And I, I think uh, just just make sure, you know, there are different ones, uh, labels like sustainably farmed, you know, that's a good one. But, uh, you know, just try to shop that little corner of the store and, and put more fruits and vegetables and the grass-fed meats and the pasture-raised chickens. Uh, you'll notice a difference in the way you feel if you just do that. But I think it's very necessary and appropriate to always supplement because I treat organic farmers in at least 10 different states here. And they say, well, I eat organic, but I feel so much better when I supplement. And that's because... Excuse me. In in the organic food, you don't really know if it's one part per million molybdenum or manganese or sixteen thousand parts per million. So even in organic, there can be such a wide variety of how much of the minerals and vitamins that are in these foods. So for our listeners out there in North America, I know specifically in the U.S. to look for non-GMO foods. If you see the label. On the right. um, on the product that says uh, you know USDA certified organic, that that right. automatically means it is also non-GMO. Right. 
But that's my understanding of it. Yeah, that's my understanding too. But in Canada, it's not that easy to see. So in Canada, a label can say it's organic, but it can still be GMO. So in Canada, we get a lot of products that come up through the U.S. So again, we can look for that USDA certified organic stamp, and then we know that's non-GMO. Um, other than that, you have to look for specifically a stamp that says non-GMO. And if you if you don't see one of the, those two things, then what I recommend is you um, Google the list of the known GMO foods, and you just try and avoid them as much as you can, because then... Like the hard thing is you don't know what you're getting if it's GMO or, or not. You know, that's that's good advice. And I just tell people, you know, we can't do it perfectly, but we want to do it as effectively as we can. And so many times uh, some people don't want to put the work into it. And I say, well, you have to go for digestive enzymes and probiotics. I'm a big, big promoter of that because once you let the probiotics do the work in your GI tract, it can – a lot of these so-called allergies can go away. And, you know, there's a system uh, to do that. They call it the 4R or 8R, depending on what list you read. You know, number one, remove toxins, the organisms, and the harmful foods. And you have to watch that. Even on the paleo-primal diet, I've seen people that would eat supposedly good food, but it was inflammatory for them. But Many times, once you introduce the proper supplements like enzymes and probiotics, the GI tract can heal and some of those allergies can actually go away. And then what are some other ways for us to start reducing inflammation? Um, I think fresh, clean, filtered water, more rest, have a sense of humor. For goodness sake, we need a sense of humor, at least here in America. We need to chill out and be happy and, and be grateful. Um, it's not just, Jan and I don't just concentrate on nutrition. We, you know, read things that are inspirational and, you know, we have a good time doing it. That's, that's the key. Uh, but inflammation once you, once you remove the organisms and you find out what the, the foods that are harmful to you are, and then you replace the digestive enzymes, and they're not all the same. I, I tell people all the time, well, you know, all men are not the same. Some are good, some work, some don't, some are harmful. So you have to uh, look and be careful and sometimes experiment. You have to, I, I think digestive enzymes should have pepsin and some bromelain and uh, pancreas uh, substance, uh, you know, that would yield like protease, amylase, lipase. Uh, you want cellulase enzymes because they will break down the plant wall, which I think it's very important to do more fruits and vegetables than most people do. And then betaine hydrochloric acid. We're having a... Um, most people don't have enough stomach acid, even the ones that think they have too much and they take the acid drugs. When you do the lab, their chloride is too low and their globulin is too low or too high. So intestinal inflammation, it shows pretty quickly on lab work. And then the, only, the only other thing I can add to that list, because that was an excellent list, uh, Dr. Lewis, is uh, the DPP-4 enzymes to help better break down and digest gluten because our body does not make those enzymes. 
I just learned a new one. I mean, I'm learning something every day. So Yeah, me too. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> well, most doctors do. <laughs> and then um, you spoke a little bit about stomach acid. Let's talk a little bit more about that because I don't think people realize stomach acid is a little issue that can actually create big problems in the body and, and often actually gets ignored. Yeah, we always, you know, to keep it simple, because I'm not a doctor, uh, for the for the lay listeners out there, uh, one way to tell if you've got inflammation in the gut and need digestive enzymes is by your bowel movements. If you go to the bathroom as many times a day as you eat a meal. Um, and, you know, many people don't. You know, I, we, I'm so still surprised that I'll ask them, well, how many meals do you eat a day? Three. Well, how many do you eliminate? One every three days, that's a bad inflammation problem because they should be going to the bathroom within 30 minutes to an hour after they've had a meal. So when you're talking about the, you know, the stomach acid, not having enough of that will cause constipation. Absolutely. I love what you said there, Janet. And and it's so funny that a lot of patients, you know, I get this question so often from patients. They're like, you mean it's normal I should have, you know, go to the bathroom three times a day, three bottles. I'm like, yeah, that's normal. That's what yeah. your body should be doing. Yeah. I always tell them it's like trains going through a tunnel. If you have three that go through a tunnel, how many should come out on the other side? <laughs> oh, I love that analogy. <laughs> I'm going to use that. <laughs> uh, you know, Janet has her uh, fans all over the country, and, and I'll talk to them, and she they say, well, I was thinking about Janet this morning. The trains are moving much better, and if you put it down simply, and that's a good thing. I have a tendency to tell you how to build a clock whenever you uh, ask what time it is. But, you know, any disease you have to think, well, there's probably uh, a link of too much inflammation. Uh, it's probably too many toxins. It's probably not eliminating enough of them. And, you know, probiotics, you know, probiotics, you just have to continue to do that. I feel great when I take mine. Janet's more consistent, but I think that's true of most women versus most men. So, so far we've talked about um, digestive enzymes, stomach acid, probiotics. Oh, and then there's also prebiotics too. Right. And then uh, talk about removing toxins, avoiding GMO foods and weed and glyphosate. What are other things that we could be doing on top of all of this? Well, when you do the probiotics and the prebiotics, uh, I tell people to stay with it. You know, one of the biggest reasons I see failure is people refuse to stick with it uh, long enough. You you repair that leakiness, the, the leaky gut where the cell walls get to where they can take in these partially digested proteins, and it causes all kinds of problems. There's a long, long list of uh, very common diseases that can... Um, contribute to that you know you can take things you know there's all kinds of vitamins and minerals and you know corella uh yeah we can get more into probiotics if you want but uh well you know i think the big one is h pylori we see so much h pylori now because of inflammation in the gut and um a lot of people you know get drugs for that to or they they're getting drugged for something i don't think they know they have h pylori but it seems to be a, a very bad gut problem in the U.S. I don't know about it in Canada. Yeah, um, yeah. we also have H. pylori here. So for the listeners out there, H. pylori is a bacteria that can 
usually um, live in the stomach, cause an infection in the stomach, and that will usually weaken your stomach's ability to make acid, which then promotes the infection because now it's more of a it's a more of a nice place for the bacteria to live, and then that has a whole right. trickle down effect in your body. And we know now that H. pylori infection can predispose you to multiple different kinds of autoimmune diseases as well. Very, very much so. Uh, well, we just tell people, they'll say, well, I, I, I hate water. Water burns my stomach. I, say, I just suspect H. pylori. And I'll say, go drink some tea, whether it's green tea or black tea. If that calms it down, it's the tannins in the tea that calms down H. pylori. And we say, well, you know, you take this, 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 and this, follow it up with massive amounts of probiotics. And there are so many different types of probiotics but yeah we're treating people that you know whether it's the they lower stomach acid or whether they've lo- uh, the h pylori or whether the person did it with nexium prolisac that type thing but you're just inviting uh trouble if you have to take an antacid you know that that's short term only and most people do it long term and then you get your b12 deficiency because your stomach acid can't extract that and then you get amnesia or dementia. I've seen that in so many people, including my mother. And, uh, you know, there's, there's so many problems could go away if you just feed your body correctly and take out the toxins. Um, and I had this conversation this morning with a guy who says, well, I'm just getting old. I say, you're not old. You're my age. And, and, you know, the problem is we have a food industry and a chemical industry that will tell us that small amounts of what they're putting in there is harmful. Well, that may be true, but they forget to tell you that you have, you know, like different detoxification pathways that have to be turned on. And if we don't totally detox every day, then it stockpiles. And that's one reason why people have trouble losing weight, because the fat cells are reluctant to let go because it's going to expose you to a lot of toxins that your body just uh, doesn't have the ability to detox. That's right. I often find with patients that a big part of trying to get the body to, as you said, release the weight, release the fat, is treating the inflammation, getting the toxins out of the body, getting those detox pathways working properly, and the hormones in balance, too, so that the body's just like, ah, and I can let go of that extra 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 30 pounds. You know, the hormones, that's a very interesting subject uh, because you have um, most people, at least here in America, have a suboptimal thyroid. And people say, but my doctor says I'm normal. And I say, well, this range covers all the weird people on the Internet, you know, that you see at these big box stores. That is common. That's not normal. And sometimes we confuse what is common with becoming normal because these reference ranges change on these labs just based on what the population is, which is not necessarily healthy. I mean, America is the sickest industrialized nation on the face of the earth. And, you know, there's a reason for that. And, you know, we have, uh, you know, a client in London and I say, well, you have bad food allergies. You have to take this, this, this out of your diet. He says, stop, doc. We don't eat the same stuff you eat there in America. I said, yep, you're absolutely right. Because we've been to Europe and seen several different countries there. And it's like, yeah, they really are healthier. But, you know, they're walking or they're on their bicycle. And they say, well, we're not stressed because we don't have the uh, consumerism that you have in America. So we don't have as many things to stress us out. And, you know, 
I think there's a lot of truth to that, to, to live more simply, to be more humble, to be happier, you know, strive to be happy and peaceful to start with, and everything else can come along much, much easier. Wow, I couldn't agree with you more. I know we're starting to run a little bit low on time. Is there anything that we have not talked about yet about inflammation? I mean, it's a big subject to try and cover in like a half hour podcast, but is there anything else that you think is important that we haven't covered? Well, you know, I want to go back to digestive enzymes and probiotics and and just the probiotics just uh, shortly. You know, there's so many of them that they can actually normalize immune response. You know, like the bifobacterium infetus will will do that. Uh, Children that are born C-section do not get the inoculation of probiotics like a child that's born vaginally, for example. And the probiotics have a lot to do with serotonin, which is the feel-good hormone. And so we work on the thyroid. We, we have these plastics and pesticides that uh, are endocrine disruptors. And I like that it starts with ED because when men come in and say, well, I have ED, and it's like, well, it's endocrine disruptors. It's the plastics, the pesticides, the phthalates, the, the fire retardants you get out of your uh, mattress and pillow every night when you sleep. And they mimic estrogen. And that's where a lot of the cancers are coming from. So whether it's male or female, you know, too much estrogen mimicking chemicals can cause problems. And, you know, that goes along with creating the inflammation. So it's it's kind of a complicated subject, but increased nutrients, decreased toxins, repair the gut leakiness and, and replace that with uh, friendly organisms and digestive enzymes. And not yogurt. <laughs> yeah yeah do you want to talk about that a little bit for a couple minutes there janet about yogurt well everybody thinks they're getting their probiotic out of eating yogurt and most have dairy allergies to start with so they're putting the dairy back in and the sugar which causes inflammation and they're getting very little probiotic there was actually uh one study done here that uh one of the companies that that's a yogurt serves yogurt had little or none of the probiotic that it actually had on the label. And there was an FDA inspector that said one of the um, species of bacteria they claimed was in there didn't even exist. And uh, so he started making his uh, own strand of probiotics. So, you know, I, I think if you ferment your food, you know, uh, yogurt can be good, uh, kefir, kombucha, uh, the sauerkraut, the fermented vegetables, I, I tell people, yes, you can take my uh, probiotics, and that's very important, but learn to ferment your own food, too. That's very important, I think. I think so, too. Uh, Dr. Dr. Lewis and Janet, this has been such a great interview. You've provided us with so much great information. How can our listeners find out more about you? They can go to our website, A Cut above naturals with an s on the end dot com and um they can read we have blogs on there we have a health survey uh for the people in the united states we have um podcasts on there of all different kinds of uh, information so there's a wealth of of knowledge on there if you just go to the website fantastic so for the listeners out there i'll make sure that i have that link in the podcast notes so you can easily find dr lewis and janet's website dr lewis and janet thank you so much for being my special guests today this has been an awesome interview 
Yes, hey, we've enjoyed it. You've made it very gentle and uh, comfortable. I appreciate that very much. All right, that wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Dr. Stephen Lewis and Janet Lewis. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next week for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carrie.